crossroads of empires, battleground of the ages, city of peace and of war. This is Jerusalem, where archaeology uncovers the empires of yesterday, where prophecy decodes the headlines of today. This is where history and prophecy come alive. This is Watch Jerusalem. Hello and welcome to Watch Jerusalem. I'm Christopher Eames, your host for today's program, and I'll be continuing my series today on the identity of the 12 tribes of Israel. Today we're going back to the basics and we'll be examining the identity of the tribe of Judah. So understanding the identity of each of these tribes is important, not not only for a proper understanding of historical context, but also for a proper prophetic context, because various future prophecies are specifically listed in the Bible for separate tribes in the end time. Now, Genesis 49 is a a key prophetic chapter in describing the future of each of these 12 tribes of Israel, and so is Moses' prophecy in Deuteronomy 33, but chiefly and in in the most detail is Jacob's prophecy or, or God's prophecy through Jacob in Genesis 49. Verse 1 of this chapter, Genesis 49 verse 1, clearly states what will befall each of the tribes in the, quote, last days, unquote. Now, Jacob proceeds to describe the future of each of these tribes. So this is a prophecy for the last days, for the, the, the end time, you could say. Now, it might come as a surprise to find out that, generally speaking, each separate tribe would actually become its own national identity, generally speaking, that they would go from being mere mere tribes within a a single nation to being nations in their own right. And it might also come to a surprise to know that while all the Jews are Israelites, most Israelites are not Jews. So while all racial Jews are Israelites, most Israelites are not Jews. And we're going to see that as we go on through today's program, specifically on the tribe of Judah. So we're going to go through the subject on today's program, and if if you're a regular listener, you'll remember the programs that I've done so far on the modern identities of the tribes of Reuben and Dan. And today we're going to go right back, like I said, to the basics, and we'll examine just who are the modern descendants of the tribe of Judah. So who are the the historical and prophetic people of the tribe of Judah? Are they just a small tribal portion of the modern Middle Eastern nation of Israel? The answer is no, and let's lay the groundwork for this. The first king of ancient Israel was Saul, uh, a man of the tribe of Benjamin. Now, of course, you probably know the story. Thanks to his disobedience, he was disqualified from having his lineage remain on the throne. And the following king was David of the tribe of Judah. Now, David ruled over the United Kingdom of Israel when it was just one single nation at the time. And thanks to his obedience to God, 2 Samuel 7 records God's promise to David of an everlasting throne, a dynasty that would continue forever. Following David's reign was that of his son, King Solomon, Solomon began his, his reign well, but uh, his, his harem of 1,000 women led him astray into some pretty catastrophic paganism. 
God had, God had promised that the throne would remain in David's lineage, but the seeds were being sown for a dramatic split at this point. Now Solomon's son Rehoboam succeeded him, and he continued uh, what had actually become quite an oppressive and burdensome reign over the other tribes of Israel. And as a result, uh, a renowned man named Jeroboam stood up as a representative and spokesman for the northern ten tribes. And the tribes rallied around him, and finally, after a really catastrophic plan by Rehoboam to raise taxes on them, they, they split to create their own separate nation, led by their new king, Jeroboam. So you can read about that in 1 Kings 12. We'll read verses 16 and 19, which follow. So when all Israel saw that the king hearkened not unto them, this is King Rehoboam, not listening to the people, the people answered the king, saying, What portion have we in David? Neither have we inheritance in the son of Jesse. To your tents, O Israel, now see to your own house, David. So Israel departed unto their tents, and Israel rebelled against the house of David unto this day. So now Israel breaks off into two political entities. The Bible describes that the northern ten tribes became the kingdom of Israel, ruled by Jeroboam, and in the south we have the kingdom of Judah, which was ruled over by Rehoboam. This this kingdom was primarily the, the kingdom of Judah was primarily made up of the tribe of Judah. I believe the tribe of Judah was actually the largest tribe at this point in time. So the southern kingdom of Judah primarily made up of the tribe of Judah, and from henceforth it would be called the kingdom of Judah. But we will also state here that, that it was also made up of at least a significant portion of the tribe of Benjamin as well. And indeed, the following verses of First uh, Kings 12 um, describe Rehoboam assembling an army of Judahites and Benjamites to fight against the northern kingdom of Israel that had broken away. Now, also, also a significant po- population of Simeonites lived deep within the tribe of Judah. Uh, the book of Joshua describes this regarding the tribal uh, allotments that were given. Uh, so there would have been a scattering of, of some other tribal nationalities, but in general, the southern kingdom of Judah was made up of the tribe of Judah. So we have our two opposing kingdoms, essentially. We've got Judah, Judah in the south and Israel in the north. Now, regarding the word Jew, many people ascribe that to Israelites, and uh, that, that's, that's not quite the full story. And again, as we said above, while all Jews racially are Israelites, most Israelites are not Jews. So this again is made clear by the divide of the two kingdoms. The very first time that the word Jew is mentioned in the Bible, it's actually used in the context of the Jews fighting against the Israelites. This is talked about in 2 Kings 16. Uh, Ahaz, king of, Ju- uh, king of the Jews, or Judah, besieged by Pekah, king of the Israelites, king of Israel. So certainly Jew isn't a term referring to Israelites. Jew is, is simply a, a shortened f- form of the tribal name Judah. And this is quite clear in the Hebrew language. The tribal name is Yehuda, and the word for Jew is Yehudi, or of Judah, a Judahite. 
So now we come to the fall of the ten-tribed kingdom of Judah, the north of Israel, rather the the northern ten-tribed kingdom of Israel. Israel had no righteous rulers over the course of about two centuries, that that they were in existence as their own uh, political entity. Judah, on the other hand, had about half and half righteous and rebellious rulers. And so around 720 BCE, Israel was besieged and taken captive by Assyria. 2 Kings 17 describes that the population of these Israelites was uprooted and deported by the Assyrians, and it was replaced by a new group of people. And these people became known as the Samaritans. Uh, and of which there is still a small sect in Israel to this day, the Samaritans. Now, the the Bible describes, uh, the biblical description of what happened to these deported ten tribes. It goes as far as to say that they were deported up to northern Iran. Uh, 2 Kings 17 verse 6 mentions that. And then the biblical record stops. So at this point, the Israelites become lost to worldview. These people became known as the Lost Ten Tribes, and it's been speculated about for for centuries, even millennia, where these people went. Their identity has been completely lost. Or has it? In, In his remarkable book, The United States and Britain and Prophecy, that we offer free of charge on this program, our founder, Herbert W. Armstrong, pieced together the puzzle from, from specific biblical passages and from secular history, and he showed that the northern ten tribes actually migrated from that point in northern Iran up into Europe and into on into the British Isles, that, that the specific tribes largely kept to themselves, largely, largely stuck together uh, within their tribal allotments and grew into the specific nations that they were prophesied to become throughout the Bible, and like we mentioned, especially in Genesis 49. So Mr. Armstrong's book focused primarily on the two birthright tribes, the two birthright nations, Ephraim and Manasseh, and God had promised just incredible blessings on the 12 tribes, and these two tribes in particular because of the obedience to the patriarch Abraham the obedience of the patriarch Abraham. So blessings would come on all his descendants, but then specifically a birthright blessing on these two tribes, Ephraim and Manasseh. So God promised Abraham that that his descendants would become so multitudinous that they, they couldn't be properly counted. They would be as the sand of the seashore, as the stars in heaven. He God God promised that they would possess the gate of their enemies, you can read about that in Genesis 17 and Genesis 22. Uh, God blessed Manasseh with the destiny of becoming the single great nation and Ephraim with the destiny of becoming a company or commonwealth of nations. You can read about that in Genesis 48. So Mr. Armstrong proved from these and many other scriptures that Ephraim is modern-day Britain and the British commonwealth and the world's largest ever empire, really, uh, by by a long shot. And and he also proved that Manasseh is the world's greatest ever single nation and superpower, the United States of America. Mr. Armstrong also proved the time frame in which the blessings of Abraham would be given. 
So remember, the northern kingdom of Israel was taken into captivity because of rank rebellion. God wasn't able to grant the blessings of Abraham to them because of this rebellion. Leviticus 26 contains a prophetic timeline of punishment that would be applied to the withholding of these blessings in in the case of Israel disobeying God, which we know that they did. So you can read more about this in detail in the United States and Britain and prophecy, but but all told, because the northern kingdom of Israel's because of the northern kingdom of Israel's specific disobedience, the blessings uh, of Abraham were withheld specifically for two thousand five hundred and twenty years, according to the prophetic timeline in Leviticus twenty six. So two thousand five hundred and twenty years of withholding. 2,520 years of punishment from the captivity at the hands of the Assyrians, around 720 BCE. And where do we end up 2,520 years on? The early 1800s. And at this point in time, we have the United States of America really breaking forth onto the world scene. The, the, at this point in time, there was the miraculous acquisition of the Louisiana Purchase, which turned over a full third of the mainland to the Americans. There was the British Empire suddenly accelerating to its greatest heights of empire at this point. The British and the Americans, just as prophesied, coming to own all the major sea gates in the world, the gates of their enemies, their their populations swelling, making counting them practically impossible, and then spurring technological advancements as well that have never been before been seen uh, in man's history. In the space of basically a century and a half, we go from the horse and buggy age to the space age. So we have a real uh, fulfillment, incredible fulfillment here of the prophesied blessings to Abraham's descendants. Again, after that 2,520 year withholding. So, of course, the other descendants of the other tribes have variously received blessings. But as the book of Genesis brings out, these were the prime birthright birthright blessings bestowed on Ephraim and Manasseh. Britain and America. So what then of the tribe of Judah specifically? Well, we, we've come to the point of, of the northern tribes of Israel becoming deported, becoming lost. What then of the continuation of the southern kingdom of Judah? We'll take a short break here before tucking into this ensuing history of the southern kingdom of Judah. This is Watch Jerusalem where history and prophecy come alive. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to Watch Jerusalem. I'm Chris Eames, and today we're continuing our series on the modern identity of the tribes of Israel, specifically looking at the tribe of Judah. Now, if you're listening over the radio and you've missed the first part of the program, do check out the podcast on our website, watchjerusalem.co.il, and there you can find two other programs that we've done on the subject, one on the modern identity of the tribe of Reuben, and one on the tribe of Dan. 
So, so far we've shown the great historical difference between the kingdom of Judah in the south, the Jews, and the kingdom of Israel made up of the northern ten tribes. The Israelites, as we've stated, were deported at the end of the 8th century BCE and became lost from world view. But uh, as, as we've stated in the first half, in, a, in his landmark book, The United States and Britain and Prophecy, Mr. Armstrong proves that the United States of America is the modern-day tribe of Manasseh, and Britain and her commonwealth is the tribe of Ephraim. On our two earlier episodes that we've done on the subject, we've covered how the tribe of Reuben is France and the Fr- French-speaking people, and that the tribe of Dan is the Irish. So we jump back now into the historical account of Judah. So the northern kingdom of Israel has been taken into captivity, and the Jewish kingdom continues for just over 130 years longer. So again, unlike Israel, the Jews did have some righteous rulers, but again, thanks to the sins and rebellions of the people, especially reaching ahead uh, in, in those, those final years, decades, uh, century and a half, uh, thanks to that rebellion, the kingdom of Judah was also doomed to destruction. In 604 BCE, the first Babylonian invasion took place, and it was at this point in time, essentially, that Nebuchadnezzar's Babylonian empire took over the land of Judah. Essentially, the land of Judah was his, 604 BCE. Now, some degree of autonomy was allowed under a puppet ruler from Jerusalem, but the land was essentially in Babylonian hands. And another uh, invasion took place around 597 BCE to put down a rebellion. It was at that time that Nebuchadnezzar uprooted the Jerusalemite king and inserted a final puppet ruler, King Zedekiah. This act is mentioned in the Bible, of course, and then also in the Babylonian Chronicle, a, a small little Babylonian tablet. So finally, thanks to Zedekiah's rebellion, Nebuchadnezzar invaded one last time around 585, 586 BCE, uh, was, was, was the end of that siege, destroying both Jerusalem and the temple itself. Zedekiah was taken to prison and his sons were all killed to ensure that there would be no successors to the throne of Judah. And thus ended the biblical kingdom of Judah. But unlike the kingdom of Israel, the ensuing history of the kingdom of Judah is actually quite easy to track. A large number of Jews uh, were deported to Babylon. That's clearly shown in scripture and in archaeology. A large number were also left in the land. Uh, This remaining contingent became worried about further Babylonian reprisals and they fled to Egypt as a sort of reverse exodus. And this, this too is shown in biblical and secular history. But the biblical and, and the secular history carries on quite seam, seamlessly for the Jews, for the southern kingdom of Judah after the end of that kingdom. Now in 539 BCE, the Babylonian Empire was finally conquered by the Persian Empire under King Cyrus The book of Ezra shows how King Cyrus granted the captive Jews in Babylonia permission to return to the land of Judah, to rebuild Jerusalem, to rebuild the temple. 
Ezra and Nehemiah, uh, the books of Ezra and Nehemiah list out names, genealogies, where these these people were originally from, what tribes, and what tribes do we find? Not all of the tribes of Israel, as we've stated, we find the tribe of Judah primarily, and also the tribe of Benjamin. Again, these this was the kingdom of Judah. These were Jews, and the rest of the Israelites had long gone by this point and were migrating up through Europe. So we have these Jews that returned to the land of Judah, those that chose to stay on in Babylon and other parts of the Persian Empire. For them, life was generally quite comfortable, and they became known as the Diaspora Jews. But we have quite a clear history of the Jewish people from this point. They retained their identity, unlike the lost ten tribes of Israel. The, the Jews retained their identity. And it only makes sense because God stated that his Sabbath was the key identifying sign of his people. And you can see Exodus 20 and chapter 31 on the subject the, uh, that the Sabbath was the key identifying sign of his people. And, and the Sabbath, uh, well, all Israel had been commanded to keep the Sabbath, but, but the northern kingdom of Israel refused. And that's part of the reason why they, they were destroyed and deported and why they lost their identity. And there's evidence to show that they actually switched to Sunday as their day of pagan worship. So as such, they were conquered, they lost their identity as the people of God, they became pagan just as the nations around them. The tribe of Judah, however, the Jews, have in large part continued to keep the Sabbath. And so this, above all things, has made them readily identifiable to people around the world. And this is the chief identifying sign that, that, that marks them as the people of God. And, and we just see that uh, in, in the world around us, that the Jews are readily identifiable by this. And it's exactly what God said in, in Exodus 20 and Exodus 31, that this is my identifying sign for my people. And so we can easily trace the continuing history of the Jews on beyond the Persian period with, with Nehemiah, Ezra, and Esther, on into the Hellenic period, followed by the Maccabees, on into the Herodian period with the, with the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and on beyond. And so numerous upheavals took place, and, and the Jews moved or would be deported across various parts of Europe throughout history, throughout the millennia since. But they still clearly retained their heritage and their identity. Now, we described above a 2,520-year period of punishment, of, of withholding of blessings for Ephraim and Manasseh following the fall of the kingdom of Israel at the end of the 8th century BCE. And this period ended with, with, again, the incredible blessings being bestowed upon Britain and America, beginning at the start of the 1800s. But what about Judah? They were invaded and conquered over a century later. Is there any corresponding 2,520-year period for them, as Leviticus 26 talks about, a 2,520-year period of withholding? Well, there is, and it's quite remarkable. 
to look into to to the history of this. So we mentioned that the initial Babylonian invasion occurred in 604 BCE. And it was this invasion that the Holy Land was turned over to Nebuchadnezzar. It was essentially his. Again, Jerusalem continued to function in a, in a puppet government type form, but the land was essentially turned over to, to the Babylonian Empire in 604 BCE. So, so the land at this point forward was Babylonian. So we pair up this Leviticus 26 timeline prophecy with other prophecies, such as Haggai 2 verses 20 to 22, and this gives us a specific day and month starting point, the 24th day of the ninth month, 604 BCE. So what from this date then, 24th of, of the ninth month, 604 BC, what is 2,520 years forward from this date? We arrive at 1917. And to the day, it is December the 9th, 1917. And what happened on this date? Well, it's pretty remarkable. On December 9th, 1917, the Turkish Ottoman Empire who controlled the Holy Land, surrendered the land on this very date to the British. They gave up what was then known as Palestine, uh, including Jerusalem, including all of it. They gave it up to one of the tribes of Israel. The land was miraculously returned to Israelite hands, British hands at this point in time, on the very day of the very month, 2,520 years after it was captured by the Babylonians, finally back into Israelite control. And of course, we know the history from this point. A large number of Jews were, to that point, already living in uh, Turkish-occupied land. And after the British takeover, more and more Jewish immigrants from around the world began arriving. And uh, especially during and following World War II, many European Jews arrived, leaving the Holocaust-stricken continent and then in 1948, as we know, the, the British turned over the land to exclusively Jewish rule. Rule, again, by the tribe of Judah. And it's during this period that the debate took place about what to call this new nation state. The name Judah was on the table. Uh, after all, it was the nation now specific, specifically made up primarily of the tribe of Judah, the Jews. But, but instead, the name Israel was agreed upon for this Middle Eastern land. Now, obviously, this was the name that the entire territory carried from the beginning. But it did bring some confusion, though, because the name Israel now applies to far more countries than just the little nation in the Middle East, as it did thousands of years ago. So when, when end-time Bible prophecy speaks of Judah... It is expressly speaking of the Jews, and specifically the Middle Eastern nation of Israel. And what are some of the prophecies for Judah? Well, we go back to Genesis 49, the, the list of prophecies for what each of the tribes would become. And here Jacob prophesies in verse 8 for, for the tribe of Judah specifically, quote, Judah you are he whom your brethren shall praise. Your hand shall be in the neck of your enemies. Your father's children shall, doubt, shall bow down before thee. 
end of quote. And truly, we could say, of all the tribes, Judah has remained in the neck of her enemies, completely surrounded by foreign, hostile Middle Eastern nations. And then continuing on in verse 9, we read, Judah is a lion's whelp. From the prey, my son, thou art gone up. He stooped down, he, crouched, he couched as a lion, and as an old lion, who shall rouse him up? And we could say of this verse, Truly Judah has been a lion-like people, the Middle Eastern nation of Israel. The tribe of Judah has been a lion-like people, especially to be able to survive in the Middle East. The little nation of Israel boasts one of the toughest militaries, one of the strongest militaries in the world. There are people blessed with remarkable technological intuition and institutions such as the IDF and Mossad, and some of their breathtakingly bold, lion-like operations have really shocked and awed many countries around the world. And it's fitting, too, that the official flag of Jerusalem bears the proud image of a lion rearing on its hind legs. But but the, that lion-like quality, though, is fading. A strong liberal element has been weakening the country for a while now, and it's causing it to lose a lot of its will to, fright, to, to fight. The Middle Eastern nation of Israel, Judah, is a lion, but, but it's wearing down. And in the words of previous Prime Minister Ehud Olmert, he said, quote, We are tired of fighting. We are tired of being courageous. We are tired of winning. We are tired of defeating our enemies. End of quote. Now, the Genesis 49 prophecy to Judah ends with the following verses, quote, The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet, until Shiloh come, and unto him shall the gathering of the people be, binding his foal unto the vine, and his ass's colt unto the choice vine. He washed his garments in wine, and his clothes in the blood of grapes. His eyes shall be red with wine, and his teeth white with milk. Now, this passage is talking about the Messiah and his descent from the tribe of Judah. And the word Shiloh, the name Shiloh, refers to the Messiah and to prophecies concerning him. And at the start of this passage, it it prophesies about the, the prior rulers that would descend from the tribe of Judah. And these rulers would continue to rule an unbroken lineage up to the coming of the Messiah, as God promised David in 2 Samuel 7. You'll you'll remember that we we mentioned this promise of God to King David of an everlasting throne. But we also mentioned that King Zedekiah was the last king of Judah and that King Nebuchadnezzar had killed his sons in order to wipe out that continuing lineage on the throne of David. So that begs the question then, were God's promises broken? Well, the answer is not at all. The continuing biblical account? in the book of Jeremiah, is is fairly sparse on the details, but it does describe the prophet entering, Israel, entering Egypt with the contingent of Jews that had remained in the land. He entered Egypt with the king's daughters. There, there's archaeological evidence for this as well, in a city to which the, uh, the Jews fled. And this sort, city is called Tephanes, or by the Arabs, as Qasr bint al-Yehudi, the castle of the Jews' daughter. So piecing together the biblical prophecies, 
alongside the secular history, it, it becomes clear that the prophet Jeremiah, who in Jeremiah 1 verse 10 was prophesied to uproot and replant the throne, that he took Zedekiah's daughter with him to Ireland, where she married an Irish royal and from there continued on the Judite throne, ruling over, this time, a different tribe of Israel, the Danites. And, and we've covered that tribal identity already on the, in the series. Now, Ezekiel 21 verse 27 prophesies that the throne would be, throughout history, overturned three times, first from Israel to Ireland, secondly from Ireland to Scotland, and thirdly from Scotland to England, where it continued on into the reign of the world's most famous monarch and, and longest reigning English, English monarch, Queen Elizabeth II. So you can read about that in our linked article to this podcast on our website, watchjerusalem.co.il. You can read about that in our article, God Promised David an Everlasting Throne, What Happened to It? And the story doesn't stop there, because two years ago, the throne dramatically changed hands. So while the Windsor family continues to reign over the throne, uh, reign over the tribe of Ephraim, rather, they no longer are the rightful owners of the throne of David. Stewardship of that throne has, again, by, by, shown by many numerous prophecies, completely changed. And this is the necessary prophetic final step for it to be given to the soon-coming Messiah. And you can read about that in our free book, What Happened Two Years Ago and the New Throne of David in our, in our free book of the same title, The New Throne of David. Again, that will be linked on our website, watchjerusalem.co.il, The New Throne of David. Now, ideally, it would be best for you to order both the United States and Britain and Prophecy and followed by the new throne of David and to read them in that order. And that'll give you the full history and prophecy of the throne of David over the various tribes of Israel right up to the present day and then the future rulership by the Messiah. Well, that concludes today's program. If you've got any questions or comments, please send them to letters at watchjerusalem.co.il. Thus far, we've gone through France as Reuben, Ireland as Dan, Israel as Judah, and hopefully next we'll crack into Ephraim and Manasseh in more detail before getting into the modern identities of some of the more unusual, shall we say, different uh, tribes. So I hope you've enjoyed today's program and we'll see you next time.